first reading is taken from Isaiah 25, verses 1 to 9. It can be found on page 708 of the Bibles. Praise to the Lord. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness you have done marvellous things, things planned long ago. You have made the city a heap of rubble, the fortified town a ruin. The foreigner's stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will honour you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall and like the heat of the desert. You silence the uproar of foreigners as heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud. So the song of the ruthless is stilled. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. From Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 23, and can be found on page 1047 of um, your Bibles next to you. That's Luke 14, verses 1 to 23. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There, in front of him, was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, If one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who has invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. 
Then you will be honoured in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I've just brought a field and I must go to see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in, for, so that my house will be full. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you've all been enjoying the sermon series that we've been having recently about how God affects every part of our everyday lives. And um, we've been hearing about how God can come into with us as we're commuting, as we're working as we're in our family, as we're shopping, and various other bits and pieces as well. So when I was asked to do and talk about the topic of food, I was a bit reluctant, and I thought there must be some some people who are much more equipped, such as doctors and dietitians, can come up and talk about food. But then the title was Cooking Generous Portions. I thought, well, okay, I can, sort of, I can sort of fill in with that. I can, can talk about generous portions and cooking. Um, so uh, let's just close our eyes and pray for a minute before we reflect on this topic this morning. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for who you are, a God who loves us, and wants to share in every part of our lives. Please may you speak to each one of us individually through your Holy Spirit as we consider this topic today. Amen. So what about food and eating? 
would probably think that we in the Western world, with plenty of food to eat, how dare we talk about this subject when there are so many people in the world who are going to bed each night hungry. And that, that's another subject, and I don't really want to concentrate on that um, today. But I do want to say that God is a generous God who gives enough food for the whole world's population to eat. There was a, a recent article from two universities in the United States which said, hunger is caused by poverty and inequality, not scarcity. For the past two decades, the rate of global food production has increased faster than the rate of global population growth. The world already produces more than one and a half times enough food to feed everyone on the planet. That's enough to feed 10 billion people. And the World Hunger website states, the principal problem is that many people in the world still do not have sufficient income to purchase or land to grow enough food. So God does provide enough food for us all to eat, though that's no excuse, and I'm speaking to myself for overindulging. Our God is a generous God, and when we look through the Bible, we see that many of the stories throughout the Bible relate to mealtimes and food. And just a few examples, right at the very start in Genesis chapter 1, God gave Adam and Eve all the seed-bearing plants and all the fruit-bearing trees in the garden to feast upon. And after the flood, God said to Noah, all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish on the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you as food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables. We read about that great feast in that wonderful feast yet to come in Isaiah, Think of all the stories, Jesus feeding the 5,000 and many more um, stories in the Bible, all concerned with food. And you know, it appears that God does catering. God does catering big style. Um, he gives us food, he gives it to us as, as a gift, and he's generous with it. Remember when Jesus broke bread he gave thanks to his heavenly Father. And it just sort of prompted me to say, how many of us today, before we eat, um, do we say, thank you, Lord, you have given me this food? Now, some, sometimes you can say, well, somebody had to go out and earn the money to buy the food. Somebody had to prepare the food and cook the food, had to shop for the food. But it all comes from those seed-bearing plants and the trees and the animals that God has given to us as a gift. So remember that food is there for us to eat and enjoy as a gift from our generous Heavenly Father. Now we know that Jesus often ate with his friends, with the disciples, with Mary and Martha, 
uh, in the same way that we eat with our family and friends. Tim Chester, in his book, A Meal with Jesus, very good book if you, if you want to read it, he states, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. An awful lot of Luke's gospel is concerned with where Jesus is and what he's doing. And remember that in first century Middle Eastern culture, fellowship around the table was great and very important. Today, a a recent article in The Economist stated that 29% of the UK population now eat on their own. I actually think it's quite nice sometimes to eat on my own when I don't have to cook for the family, when I don't have to think, oh, Joss doesn't really like this, I better not cook this tonight or whatever. It's nice to eat on your own, but actually it's really nice to eat with friends and family as well. So it's a time that we can invest around the meal table and that we can just build up relationships. We can share what's gone on that day. We can um, encourage one another, discuss the current topical things that are going on in the world. Hopefully in a friendly manner. Sometimes Sunday lunch around our dinner table can be a bit political and get a bit of heated discussion. But it's time when we're building up those family relationships. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, Paul pleads with the Christian to really love each other. And he specifically says, always, always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, we've been away for the last few weekends, and I was catching up on what was happening in church by listening to the sermons on the website. And one thing that really struck me was when Mike and Rachel were talking, and they were talking about the church family being a worldwide family. So we can come in here, we're a family together. We can go to lots of places throughout the world, we're a family together. Last week, I was actually on the Friday, which is the holy day um, in Muslim countries, I was meeting with a 500 worldwide family in Dubai, um, in a Muslim country, singing God's praises and singing about Jesus. It was wonderful. And we could feel at home because we're there as God's family together. And when, when Mike and Rachel said about God's big worldwide family, it also reminded me of when we went to live in South Africa many years ago. I went first Sunday, um, I went to a church, a local church, where people were very nice, and they said hello, just the way we maybe say to people you see in church, hello. But that was it. The following Sunday, we went to another church where people came up, hi, so you're new. And we actually got invited out that very day to go and have tea with another family. What a welcome that was. What a difference. So you can imagine which church we stayed with for the next two years. Um, So meals, time together, eating, just spending time together over the mealtime can be social occasions, can be times of welcome, can be times for family, can be times for friendship. 
times for the community together. But Jesus just didn't spend time eating with his friends and family. He often shocked, I think, his disciples by eating with those that they would have counted as sinners. Think of Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house for tea. Um, Think of the the story today we read about when he went to the leader of the Pharisees. Um, People who who Jesus often um, was really questioning what they believed. And here Jesus was at the home of the leader of the Pharisees. If you read through again, he's giving us some, uh, some tips on good manners on how to behave when you go to somebody else's house. But there's always a, a deeper meaning behind some of Jesus' parables. And here we're, we're thinking especially from Luke chapter 14 about the parable of the feast of the host who invited people to come to a great banquet. Now, traditionally, what would happen would be the host would invite people, they would come back and say, yes, we accept. And then depending on the number of people who accepted, the host would be able to uh, kill the fattened calf, one, two, three, or how many he needed, how many were, were coming to the feast. And then when that was all ready, when the fattened calf had been killed and cooked, he would go out and said, right, everything's ready. Come, we're going to have this great feast together. It was a double invitation. And if you notice in this story, the people who had been invited then turned around and said, oh no, I can't come. Um, I've just bought some land, I need to go and inspect it, and I've bought some oxen and we need to go and see how well they work, or I've just got married. Now these were really rude excuses. Who would buy land without having already inspected it? Who would buy oxen without going and looking at them and examining to make sure they were going to do the job? And who would get married just the day before? when uh, we know it takes an awfully long time to get a marriage arranged. So they were actually being very rude and declining to go. So the host then invited uh, those who are, who are um, lame, those who were on the dregs of society. And uh, he sent the servant out to bring them in. And then he also invited those out in the countryside Bring them in. We want more and more people. Really, this is a picture of the kingdom of God. The invited guests initially were those of the Jewish nation. The kingdom was prepared for them. But when Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near, he was rejected. And so the invitation was opened up to the maimed, society's maimed and downtrodden. Jesus came that the kingdom was available to those who even were considered unclean. And then it was extended to the Gentiles, to us. Hallelujah. We have been invited to come into God's kingdom, to come and enjoy that great feast that we read about it, I just want to to read a few verses again from that Isaiah 25. It said, 
In Jerusalem, the Lord of Heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of doom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. That sounds like a fantastic feast. That's the feast that you and I are invited to. I think you would be mad to say, no, I don't want to go to that feast. So, remember God is generous. And Jesus spent time often with others during having meals, enjoying mealtimes, enjoying that generous food that God has given us. And God invites us to share with his heavenly feast, each one of us, you and I. Have you said yes? And finally, if you have already accepted that invitation, and I'm sure most of us here in this church already have, then the adventure only starts. It doesn't stop just by saying yes to Jesus. Day by day, we want to see Jesus' love transforming us and the rest of South Sea. We want to be transformed with him, as our vision statement says. So how does today's topic of cooking with generous portions help transform us? Well, one thing I suggest, as God has given to us and blessed us, so we must also bless others with hospitality. And that's such a good way of enjoying his generous gifts with others. To some that might seem really scary, how would people react to my home? I only live in a small little apartment. Um, how would people react to my cooking? I only use that Delia Smith's cooking for one book. <laughs> but I took great comfort when I read the following from Tim Chester's book. Take cleaning the house, for example, before guests arrive. If your aim is to impress, then you'll feel compelled to clean. If your aim is to love, then the compulsion isn't there. Both very dirty houses and very tidy houses make me feel uncomfortable. In the case of tidy homes, I'm always afraid I'm going to pollute the show home perfection. If your house is somewhere in between, then I'll feel at home. Now, I think for those who, of you who have known me and have been in my house, I'm the somewhere in between bit. You just have to take me as you find me. If I know people are coming, I might sort of do a bit of cleaning. Um, but it doesn't matter 
really what our houses are like. It's great to be able to invite them in, to be hospitable, invite people for a meal. It doesn't have to be fine dining. It doesn't have to be up to the standard of Mary Berry and Jamie Oliver. Um, but if you still feel uncomfortable about that, just bring them in, invite them for a cup of tea. Get to know them a bit more. Or if even that seems too much, why don't you arrange to go out and have coffee in one of the plethora of coffee shops there are in Southsea? So in church, we have many um, various opportunities to share meals with each other and with those outside. Um, there's a welcome, a welcome lunch most, most terms. If you haven't been to one, the next one will be in either June, July time. Please listen out for that and come to the next welcome lunch. Other times we come together and we have fun at um, barbecues or shared picnics and things. Eating's also very important if you come to Alpha or Exploring Christianity. And we have the Thursday Luncheon Club here each week. We try to be hospitable to others from, the, from those who are not part of our church family. But we want to welcome them in. We give out mince pies at Christmas. We give out bacon sandwiches on Friday nights at uh, Friday Fridge. We collect food um, for the food bank. Sharing our food with others and with each other reflects what Jesus does. So let us be true disciples of Jesus. Let us be not just hearers of the word, but doers also, actually to bless others as God has blessed us through practicing hospitality. So we're hoping to give everybody the opportunity here in church just to do that and to share a Sunday lunch Perhaps all those volunteers I asked earlier on could just stand up and give out those leaflets, pass those leaflets around to the areas I asked you to. And we're going to have a link up Sunday, on Sunday the 19th of March. Now this is a time when you can offer to host others in your own home, or you can ask to go along to somebody else's home, or you could do either. There are appropriate boxes for you to take. We would love everybody in church to take part in this. You can fill the form in, fill it in for the whole family, fill it in just for yourself, or for as many as in your household. Hopefully the form will cover all the aspects that you need to know, and um, then we will gather them all in and uh, before the 19th of January, during the beginning of that week, we will be in touch and let you know where you are going to and who is going to host you. How exciting is that? This is, this is the box or the basket. I will leave it up here uh, at the end of the service. But it would be really encouraging if some of you started to fill this in before the well, not at the end of the service, and came up and put your completed form in the basket. There are plenty of pens available here to help you fill it in. 
I was so excited because at the end of the nine o'clock service, we've already got a completed form. So, so do please come and take part. Help us get to know one another as a church family. Help us learn to be hospitable with each other. And then as we practice that hospitality, we'll be able to learn to reach out and to show God's love to others as well. So, perhaps we could just finish. Let us pray. Lord, help us to be generous and hospitable and loving to each other as we learn together to be disciples of Jesus. And may we learn to be hospitable not only to our friends, but also to those who need to see your love in action through us. And Lord, I want to pray also for those who have not yet accepted that invitation to your great feast. May they use the opportunity today to respond to you. Amen.